three. Welcome to Highest Potential with Dr. Steve Pettit, a podcast that explores the many ways Bob Jones University is advancing God's kingdom through Christian education with the biblical worldview. I'm Daniel Lehman, a current student at BJU and co-host for this podcast. Well, in today's episode, we are delighted to have with us Dr. Renton Rathbun, who is the new director of the Center for Biblical Worldview at Bob Jones University. And uh, he plays a very, very important role here. And uh, I'd like for one of uh, our students here, I'd like for Daniel to just say a few words about, you, you've met R- Dr. Rathbun, and yes. uh, he's, he's kind of new on the scene, uh, but uh, give us some initial impressions. Absolutely. So... I haven't had him for a full class yet, but he's guest lectured at some of the classes I've taken, and I have loved having him come in and just uh, just speak. He's very, very knowledgeable. Uh, he's taught at other universities and such, so it's cool to hear his perspective in a sense of being out in the world and kind of coming, in a sense, back to a Christian environment and setting up this biblical worldview, worldview and, and center there. It's um, He has a great perspective on and all of it super knowledgeable. I would I've stopped by his office before, ask him his opinion yeah. on different matters that f- we've talked about questions in class and I'm like, "You know what? I want to hear Dr. Rathbun's opinion on this." And he's it's so just amazing with his answers, like I said, so very knowledgeable and just a, honestly a great great guy and we're lucky to have him here. So Well, Daniel, we're we're blessed to have him in in why he's so important is because here at BJU really at the very foundation and core of our education is the way we see the world through Mm. the lens of Scripture. Mm -hmm. And we want this to be at the core of all that we teach. And so he really is that foundational leader here at the university. So we're looking forward to hearing him as uh, we have a conversation with him and talk to him about the Center for Biblical Worldview. Well, we are so delighted today to have in the podcast uh, Dr. Renton Rathbun. Renton, so glad you're here. Glad to be here. Renton Rathbun. I remember when my wife first heard your name, she thought of the great actor Basil Rathbun. I'm sure you never heard that, but uh, with, a, with a name like that, you can go a long ways in this world. That's right. So, uh, so glad that you're here. Uh, you are now in a new role here at the university, so tell us the the, your official role or title. Yes. Uh, I am the director of the Center for Biblical Worldview, and what we do is we work through the other centers that already exist at the university and develop uh, worldview or biblical worldview strategies to uh, kind of affect the entire university and the entire BJU family. Well, that is... Uh... That is a big, big job, one. Uh, and of course, it's very, very core of our mission because our mission is to educate the next generation of biblical leaders. And we want our, we want our students to get a great education. We want to be leaders, but we also want them to have a biblical worldview. And so I know, I know saying biblical worldview is one thing. Um, teaching, and even more than that, letting it permeate everything that we do is a whole different ball game. And so I want to I want us to talk a little bit about that today and I want to start if we can kind of go back uh, give us a little of your background 
and in uh, the pathway you've you've gone through to get where you are today. Absolutely, yes. I I started uh, teaching in '98. Uh, uh, I started teaching at a small college up in Minnesota. Uh, after my education here at Bob Jones University, got a degree in English, then a master's in speech. And while I was there, I worked, I, I guess I just felt a little restless uh, throughout my teaching career. Um, so I worked on an MFA in creative writing at Minnesota State University, hmm. opened a door for us to teach in my hometown of Toledo, Ohio. Um, and uh, I taught there for a while and again started to get restless. And so I started, uh, te- I started working on a degree in philosophy. And it was then that I really started to see this idea of worldview. As I worked through these different views of the world, especially in philosophy, it seemed that every view was was like a philosopher holding his hand over the mouth of God and trying to declare his own worldview. And it was, it was actually quite depressing because it was always this, uh, this vacuum that I would always end up with where there was a logical twist and a logical system, but the system sat on nothing. Mm. And my students began to wonder what's going on. Uh, Is there any answers out there? Uh, How can we have a worldview that you can literally live with? What what philosophy kept offering were was was views of the world that didn't provide you a way to live consistently, or even live with any hope. Hmm. And so, I began to become interested in pursuing theology. And the Lord opened a door uh, up at Puritan Seminary where I worked on a THM there, and then the Lord opened a door uh, down at uh, Westminster where I worked on my PhD in apologetics, which really gave me that well-orbed view of what it means to have a biblical worldview, not just a worldview that incorporates the Bible. It it seems like today, I mean, I mean, I mean, for some people, when we, we have such a strong emphasis on the phraseology, biblical worldview, and I'm sure a, a lot of older believers say, well, we've always had this, this viewpoint. So it's not like this is a brand new thing. But would you agree with me? It seems like the day and age that we're living in, in particular uh, with the current culture in the United States, that, that we've been coming to this almost huge divide of difference of even how we even think about the world and how we think about life, and it's become so markedly different. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. I think for a long time people were assuming some kind of neutral ground that everyone gets to participate in, but then when you need your religious hat, you can put it on. When you need you know, your mechanic hat, you can put it on. But there is overall this neutral area, and what we found, what we found coming into where we live now, is is that it's very clear there is no neutrality. Hmm. There is no secular and sacred uh, cross point. Everything, if I can quote our founder, everything is sacred. Right. And we're really realizing that now, as we 
as we see that things that we thought, if I can use this term, were common sense. Uh, there is no common sense. Uh, there is no commonality. There's, we, we see now that even down to how we use, you know, what we mean by mathematics, what we mean by science, what we mean by all these things really require a foundation for them to be coherent. And because of that, the world, through Satan's work, I believe, has really brought out its foundation. Mm-hmm. And we see uh, there's, a, there's a journal out, I think it's September 2020, of, it's a journal for public school teachers uh, teaching English. And it's, uh, the, whole, the whole journal is dedicated to affirming LGBTQ right down to strategies in how in grammar class you can demonstrate um, affirmation in grammar and writing Mm. uh, of LGBTQ um, uh, personalities and views and ideas and things like that. And it really demonstrates that the world has caught on, that there there are no neutral subjects out there. And it's high time that Christians figure that out as well. Absolutely. It's, it's, the, it's the fruit of, of uh, generations uh, easily over the last 100 plus years of secular education mm-hmm. where God is not in the classroom. And so it seems like what's happened is Christians that, that have always believed these things, now we're, we're, we're coming out with much greater clarity Mm. of our commitment to uh, the the worldview that we have in scripture so let's let's uh, let me let me back up a little bit here I know uh, you have worked here at the university for in the in the overall university family how long have you been here uh, about three years now okay mm. and you came back worked for the BJU press yes and you also taught some you've done a kind of an in-between yes sir that's right and you have spoken out for BJU press and some of the conferences what has been your primary focal point as you have spoken yes my my primary focus uh, when I go out and speak is to really push this idea that you cannot teach anything neutrally there is no neutral way to teach math. There's no neutral way to teach English. Uh, one of the things I tell uh, at the conferences I go to, uh, most of the people that are before me are principals, administrators, faculty. And I tell them, there's something you teach a student when you say, okay, well, well let's have prayer at the beginning of class, which is great. It's wonderful to have prayer at the beginning of class. But when amen becomes the last thing I say about God, as I now move to literature, or now we're going to talk about math, or now we're going to talk about X subject, what you're teaching the student is God has this nice spot, this little ritual we do, but now we're going to talk about the reality of math. Mm -hmm. And the reality of math is able to be spoken of without God or the reality of literature, the reality of anything. What we're teaching is that there is this reality in which we have this nice faith that is wonderful, but now we're going to talk about the real things. Mm. And when a student leaves a Christian high school and goes into a secular school, they've gotten used to this, to this idea, so that when they go to a secular university or college, they're very used to someone speaking about reality without God. Mm-hmm. And I think we have created our own uh, problem when it comes to 
uh, biblical worldview. We think it's something extra that we add to a class or a devotional break in the class, and that's simply not the case. Right, yeah, it's in, and then we end up making a lot of assumptions mm. about where people are that aren't really there. That's right. Um, so just to, for our audience to kind of get a big picture, here at Bob Jones University, we have uh, different elements that make up the, the B, what we call the BJU family, which includes the university, the BJU Press, which reaches out to uh, well over a million students into 117 countries. Uh, we have the Bob Jones Academy with about 1,100 students, K through 12. We have the online program called SCOPE, which is the School for Continuing Online and Professional Education. And then we also have uh, the, the BJU Seminary uh, training men and women for the ministry. So the idea of the Center for Biblical Worldview is actually it undergirds all five of these entities uh, of which uh, Renton, you are, are directing that. And the primary goal is to make sure that we are consistently and uh, developing our teachers and our staff with a sound biblical worldview. We don't want to make an assumption. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read a statement recently that if you believe in excellence, then you have to believe in training mm. because you're not going to get excellence if you don't train people. And we're not going to have a strong biblical worldview, as you have said, with the tendency to teach uh, a subject in, 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 in essence, is a secular subject mm-hmm. without really teaching about the Lord in it. So uh, I think what we what I'd like to really hear from you is, sort of give us a, a definition of what we mean by biblical worldview. This is a definition that we have actually here at the center. And then uh, maybe give me an idea of how this works in classes so that the people will understand that. Sure. So when we were developing a, a rich definition of what biblical worldview is, of course, you look around at other places, see what they're doing, and what we found is that everyone is talking about what biblical worldview does, but not, no one was really saying what biblical worldview is, um, because biblical worldview does a lot. We, we need it to do things for us, and we need to develop strategies, but what is it so we, know to, so we know, understand how to use it and to understand what it does? And so we, we developed um, a definition that says what it is, and what we, what we developed was biblical worldview is God's explanation of God's world using God's word for God's image bearers. And what that does is it places God in the center of the definition and at the center of reality. Every subject that you teach is about interpreting the world. When you teach a math course, you are teaching the, the, the basic principles of reality and how they interact with our daily lives and things like that. When you teach literature, you're teaching about how uh, other people have interpreted the world and you are interpreting their interpretation. Uh, when you talk about history, uh, you're talking about how we interpret the past and how the past has interpreted itself. Every subject is about how we uh, interpret the world, and every teacher wants their student to walk away knowing how to interpret the world on their own. We don't want to just hand them fish. We want them to learn how to fish. 
And so at the center of knowing how to interpret the world is knowing who has already interpreted it for us, which is the Lord. Mm. And God, this is God's world. And, but it's not just God's world. God has given his explanation of his world to us in his word and to us who are to be imitators of our God. So when we're learning uh, about a subject, we are talking about how I interpret the world through God's word who has already interpreted it. Now, this means something even as simple as when you talk about mathematics, which seems like, well, what does that have to do with a biblical worldview? Um, when you think about what math is supposed to do, when a student raises hand and asks, why do we have to learn this? Don't we have calculators? And, you know, it's almost a good question unless you really know what the purpose of math is and what it... And, and what is it in the first place? And what you see is that God created man, created Adam, named Adam, and then told Adam to name the animals. And then he tells Adam to multiply, subdue the earth, and rule over it. And you see these commands, and these commands are specifically designed for Adam to be able to imitate his God. Mm. And as Adam names we see that he's not only able to name animals or to name things, as every scientist does, they name things as they observe and experiment, but he's also able to name numerically. Mm -hmm. And this numerical naming is a way of imitating God, because this numerical naming is a way of being able to use a tool to model that you might subdue and rule over the earth. When a student raises his hand and says, what, why are we learning this math? Because learning this is a way for you to be able to imitate your God by ruling and, and subduing the earth as he commanded, and mathematics makes that possible. And, and, it, and it may, of course, it, it, it's a philosophical approach to everything, mm -hmm. and, and you see that in every, you know, you, you, you begin to see God in it all. Yes, that's And right. so you're now understanding God's world. Mm-hmm as God's Word reveals it for us, who are the only part of God's world that's created in His image. That's right. That we might live out, live out our lives. And so all of a sudden your life takes on completely different meaning that's right. and purpose. So obviously, uh, I think for a Christian, most Christians would sit here and go, okay, I buy that, I, I understand that. So what's the challenge? <laughs> what is our challenge? And obviously at Bob Jones... Uh, we are constantly trying to improve. So, uh, and we have incredible professors here. Mm -hmm. uh, we have awesome professors. Mm -hmm. But what does improvement look like for us here? Yes, that was the big. That was the big challenge of having a center for biblical worldview. Um, as you look around at other Christian institutions there is sometimes an emphasis on biblical worldview, but we wanted to make sure, and I think your vision was that we don't simply slap biblical worldview on our university, but it actually becomes part of the culture of our university and all the parts of the university. And so what this looks like is putting a very high bar for our faculty and staff. Uh, particularly our faculty, when we tell them, this is our bar. Biblical worldview 
should allow the student to understand God better, God's world better, while at the same time understanding the subject matter better. Mm. So biblical worldview doesn't mean, okay, let's take a pause in the middle of our lesson and have a small devotional, which, you know, isn't a bad thing, but that's not our bar. Our bar is what about God's world from, that we can learn from God's word that helps us understand the subject matter better. And not just that, not just in the abstract, but how do I get that into a, a real objective on my syllabus? And once it's an objective on my syllabus, how do I then assess that objective to make sure that I can see how our students are doing? That's the, kind, that's the level of biblical worldview we're doing. And we're doing it um, in subjects all across uh, the university spectrum. And our goal is for it to happen in every subject. Mm. And what's unique, uh, one thing we're doing that's unique to, to Bob Jones University is that in our Bible courses, we're developing biblical worldview. This is something that not a lot of people understand uh, is, is vital. They think, well, we're already studying the Bible, so what do you mean a biblical worldview? But what we're doing is intentionally uh, looking at what worldview questions are that people, uh, philosophers, and people have been arguing over for years and showing how Scripture answers those very questions. Mm. And when we have those kind of questions that Scripture is answering, those questions are open also to every other subject, like math, like history, even theater. Every, uh, when, we, when Scripture answers those particular worldview questions, they open it up, <clears throat> open it up to the other uh, classes and the other departments. That then shows that this is a permeation throughout the entire coursework here. Yeah. I have, uh, I have one more question that I'd like to ask, and I think it's really important to ask this question. We could talk forever <laughs> on biblical worldview, and our goal today was just sort of get a, get a foundation. But, uh, you know, there are many, many Christian parents who have homeschooled their children. They've raised them in Christian schools, um, and they get them up through high school. And then once they come to college... Uh, they're a little, maybe if I could say, broader on their viewpoints about, about education today in a secular university. I, I don't know if parents really understand the level of difference between a secular university and a Christian university, particularly with worldview. Mm -hmm. You taught in a secular school, so you are very experienced. You spent a number of years in the United States Army, uh, and then, of course, you've made this biblical worldview uh, a main focus in, in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So I, I would like you to just speak for a couple of moments here to the real challenge a parent is going to face in sending their child to a, 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 a secular school and why they really need to give serious thought to, particularly at this age stage of life, uh, coming to a Christian university that has a solid biblical worldview. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, be, through the Lord's providence, I was able to teach for 16 years in secular colleges and universities, and while there, I was able to see the strategies by which a lot of my colleagues would uh, look to take away or to diminish the faith of Christian students. 
And right now there's this big push to pull your kids out of public schools and things like that, and that's fine. But if you think public high schools are bad, you have no idea what's waiting for them in the, in the secular colleges and universities. There's a movie out uh, called God is Not Dead, and it presents a situation where it kind of shows the secular, this young Christian kid going into a secular university, and the professor is obviously against Christianity, and it's really obvious that he has a fight to go through here. And I, I have seen that maybe once, uh, and it was very, it's very rare to see that. What you mostly see um, is a several-step process to take faith away from young people. And it begins with, not with rejection of the student, but with acceptance of the student. These secular professors don't see Christian kids as an enemy. They see them as abused children who have been caught up in this religious suppressive idea. And the way they can show love to them is to get them out of that kind of thinking. And so the first thing they want to do is accept them and show them that, that it's, this is a safe place for them. This brings their guard down, and they think that maybe this, this professor is okay. The professor then goes into great detail uh, into his subject area, into great uh, sophistication. The, the young student then sees how sophisticated these ideas are. They become convinced that their parents could never understand the, these sophisticated ideas. Their pastor could never understand these sophisticated ideas. When you're handed sophisticated ideas in a nice package, it fills you with this accomplishment mm -hmm. and pride, and this person, this professor did this for you. There's an obligation to him. And then what the professor will do, usually in the middle towards the end of the semester, they will then introduce a part of their sophisticated ideas that, are, that is incompatible with Scripture. And usually it's not what you think it is. Usually it's some kind of mathematical problem or some kind of scientific issue that they have already have accepted this level of sophistication on particular grounds that make all this possible, and it's by those particular sophisticated grounds that no longer match what they believe about Scripture, which then makes their entire system falter, because what they're doing is they're thinking, well, I can't turn to my parents. I can't turn to my, to my pastor, because these ideas are way beyond them. They wouldn't understand. So what they do is they internalize it, they fight over it in their heart. They have no help. They have no one to, to reach out to them. They haven't learned, and this is the problem. The problem isn't that Scripture is weak. The problem is they have not been able to accomplish sophistication in the knowledge of Scripture. Mm. They are not able to fight sophistication with sophistication. They have some sophistication, but by the time they get to the university-level thinking, that is, what they've done in Scripture is not enough, and they need more sophisticated work. And as they get that sophisticated work in Scripture, Scripture is sufficient. Mm -hmm. It is more than sufficient. It is more than able to, to, to uh, mine the depths and riches of the world that God created and has all the answers that we need. But they need to have that knowledge and that understanding and that sophisticated view to help them. 
You know, I, I read uh, a number of years ago uh, in a book that was written by Dr. David Dockery uh, mm-hmm. on learning and faith. He was the um, former president of Trinity uh, up in Deerfield mm-hmm. and uh, Wisconsin, uh, Deer- Deerfield, Illinois. And uh, he, he wrote in there that there are three um, moral decision-making times in the life of a young person. First time is between 6 and 14 months old, mm-hmm. where he learns a very important two-letter word called no. <laughs> and then somewhere around the sixth grade, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, he begins to make decisions as we they enter into the junior high years of who's going to be their friend group, mm. uh, an identity with a friend group. That's where your gangs start. And then the second, the third time is your first year out of high school, because inevitably at some point in your life, you have to move from adolescence to adulthood. And it's going to start at some point, and generally in American culture, it's after high school. And that first year out of high school is one of the most crucial times in life because you're really starting to decide, what do I really believe? Mm. You begin to crystallize whether or not you really have genuine faith in Christ, if you grew up in a Christian family. Who are my friends? Who's my, who's my peer group? How do I view life? What do, do I really have a biblical worldview? What do I believe about morality? Mm. And all of those things, because you cannot, you cannot separate morality from theology, mm. uh, because that's all a part of our being made in God's image. So uh, I just want to encourage those that are listening that you need to very, give very serious consideration about the importance of a an education at a collegiate level that has a very strong biblical worldview. When Bob Jones Sr. started Bob Jones University, he always told the story about three shipwrecks, and that's three individuals who went off to a secular college, and they came back home, and they had walked away from their faith, and it uh, tore up the, the family. And uh, as they walked away, and he said, I want Bob Jones University to stand at that crossroads Mm. and the lives of young people. And that was over 95 years ago. And we're Mm. still trying today, by the grace of God, to continue to do that. So, Mm. Renton, thank you for your work. Your work's important. And we'll pray for your success and uh, pray for the Lord to help us to continue to educate biblical leaders. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Highest Potential with Dr. Steve Pettit. Don't forget to find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.